there, friends. How are you doing? It's me, Eve. This is a podcast called Everything's Relative. A few years ago, I was surprised to discover the man who raised me was not my biological father. And then I was even more surprised to discover there are like hundreds, if not thousands of people out there making very similar discoveries. So I decided to make a podcast about it. If you are a person with a DNA discovery, welcome. And if you are someone just passing through, also welcome. Everyone is welcome here. How's the summer going for y'all? It's mid-August. The stores are stocked with their back-to-school gear, which means fall is sort of around the corner, right? Autumn here in LA is really just a concept (laughs) and not really reality until like well into November. But yes, my kids are gearing up for school. The nights are getting just like a little bit shorter each day. Um, Not the nights are getting shorter. The days are getting shorter. The nights are getting darker earlier. You know what I mean. My point is, before you know it, pumpkin spice latte is going to be on the menu. Uh, I love a good pumpkin latte. But another thing that I look forward to as the air cools down is apple cider. And I bring that up because today's guest lives in the town of Sebastopol. It is a teeny tiny town right next to my hometown of Petaluma. So we have uh, a Sonoma County connection. But Sebastopol is famous for its apple orchards. Do we talk about apple orchards on the podcast today? No, not really. But we do talk about Jennifer's DNA discovery and her own podcast called Unfinished Truths. I think you'll find this episode is a little bit different than most of the others because Jennifer and I just got together and talked in a kind of loosey-goosey way than than usual, even more than usual, uh, about how she got where she is today. If you want the real official NPE story style version of Jennifer's non-parental event, please go over to the podcast called DNA Surprises with Alexis Hauerselt. Uh, It was just her own season finale a couple weeks ago. Uh, And I love partnering with podcasts so that we can share guests and work together to make sure that our episodes aren't like exact replicas of one another. So I told Jennifer that we would just talk. And that's what we did. Uh, I hope you enjoy spending some time with us. Um, I went to Cal. So that's how I came to the Bay Area. Um, and so I studied medical anthropology there. Like, and I was studied genomics of all super weird things. Um, said studied disposition of frozen embryos and reproductive endocrinology like a zillion years ago. Um, like 1994. Seriously. And, and because I didn't, well, I mean, if anybody cares about why I didn't get to listen to Jennifer's episode, it. It's not very interesting, but um, because I didn't, uh, when you were studying that, had you already had the experience with your mom's, with your mother's sort of like adoption Mm. story? Like, had you already, how much did you know before you went into this that you were going to be a DNA? uh, That didn't have anything to do with it, honestly. Yeah, it was totally separate. I... She, I had always known she was adopted and she was always like half looking for her parents, you know, like not totally. I mean, I'm I'm learning a lot about adoptees, so I'm sure she was thinking about it constantly her entire life. She didn't articulate it to me at that time in a way that like she was actively looking for her parents. 
I started studying genomics like as a one-off because I was studying plant genetics of all weird things. Um, and then I got in with these scientists. I was interviewing scientists at this place called the Plant Genome Expression Center about their work on genomics. And somehow it all transitioned into me studying at the time what were called the new reproductive technologies. They're not so new anymore. Now they're like assisted reproductive technologies or reproductive endocrinology. Um, it was a weird transition. And then I had this professor who, sadly, I have to always say, has since passed like at a very young age. But he sort of took me under his wing and he was here from Berlin. And he would like, like really encouraged me to do that work because at the time it was so unusual. Um, and then I just like sort of fell into that arena and went to grad school. And that's what I was studied when I was doing my, my doctorate. When I was doing the work and writing about it, it was at least, it was 20 years, uh, wait, how many years is that later? Yeah, well, I guess that's 10 years later, 11 years later that I found out about my own, you know, DNA surprise, as it were. Yes. And <laughs> why don't you tell us what that DNA surprise is, is, mm -hmm. was? <laughs> It is that my my birth certificate dad um, is was not my biological dad, and my biological dad lived in my hometown and was friends with my parents, my mom and my stepdad, and lived like well, their town is a little bit Montana's huge, but per capita there's like five people, you know, per square mile. So he lived really close in the grand scheme of things. He lived like 50 miles away, and the families knew each other. My bio dad's father and my stepdad's grandfather had cabins in this place called the Yak. It's like a census designated place in the middle of nowhere. And their cabins are like next door to each other. So, yeah, I discovered that my who I thought was my uh, bio dad wasn't. And that was Christmas last year or whatever that was. 2021? 2021. No, 2020. Okay. So... so <laughs> Oh, so you've had a year and a half instead of it's like you're still a new, like still so new. Still, well, I don't new. know what year it is anymore. So who does? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It all bleeds into the same, okay. um, into okay. the same life on the world as it turns. Um, and okay. And then how did you get from finding that out to a project called Unfinished Truths? Uh, almost immediately after I found out, I was like, so devastated, which is weird because my birth certificate dad lived like 2000 miles away. I had like a summer relationship with him, if you know what I mean. Like he would come visit summers and I would talk to him on the phone now and then. And as I've said other places, my oldest son is 23 years old and he's never met my son, um, either of my kids. So not a super close relationship. However, you know, I had relationships with my grandparents on that side. and ha He has children that I had relationships with. In fact, my what, who was my next youngest sister came and visited with her husband a couple of years ago and stayed with us when we were lived in San Francisco. Um, but I really wanted to talk about it after it happened. And I felt like I was driving people totally bonkers that were around me because I was like crying constantly. I like could not pull it together. I didn't take any time off of work. So for anybody listening, who's an NPE that's just finding out that is a big mistake. You need to take some time to yourself and just like sit with that for a while because in my being a parent or being a whatever at the moment I'm a nurse 
taking care of other people is totally impossible during that time. So I felt like I really needed to talk about it. And COVID was happening. And I had done this podcast sort of thing, which I include in my in the Unfinished Truths podcast right now, where I interviewed a bunch of nurses that were going through the COVID crisis because I considered them like part of my family. That's why I included it in Unfinished Truths. But that's what I originally had done. Originally interviewed nurses during COVID crisis. But then this thing happened and I thought, well, this is so far out there. I want to hear other people's stories and I want to talk about it. So I started recording episodes for, for that. Since that time, I've like kind of redacted some of those first episodes just because, you know, I was a little raw at the time. Maybe I was saying things that I, mean, I would regret later. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't listened back to them. But um, so, I, And then I took some time off because like during COVID as a healthcare provider, things were just super, super nuts. I heard. Yeah. And so are you, is it, is it a project you're actively working on right now? Yeah. Yeah. I've been interviewing, but I'm not just interviewing. And the reason, so my podcast is a little weird because I mostly am collecting the stories so that I can amend the sort of essentialist idea I had about relatedness when mm-hmm. I was working on the kinship studies that, uh, when I was doing the reproductive endocrinology donor gamete thing. I feel like at the time, uh, the idea idea of nature versus nurture, and I said this before, like nature was like passe, like there was no nature, you know, in kinship, um, according to, you know, academics. And I think that people have come back around about that, actually, both in academics and because of this whole issue. I mean, probably adoptees could have told us that forever, you know, but, you know. Not everybody's listening. And like, once you have an experience, right, you start listening to things other people are saying. So, um, but I wanted to collect other people's stories so that I could write about it mostly. Um, and then the podcast, it seems like a good realm. Other people can listen to it. Cause I also felt like when I first found out, I wanted to hear other people's stories. So I listened to like all of your episodes <laughs> and all of Lily's episodes. And I was like, isn't there more? <laughs> <laughs> slowly slowly but surely there are more coming you know know, it's growing we're we're a growing group um that's amazing so when you talk about writing about it you want to write about it academically probably yeah that's the major way I have written about it some in you know just like personally and Mm -hmm. perhaps maybe I would publish that someday I don't know not so super into the autobiographical thing but I do think writing about it um in the kinship realm is would be a good avenue just because it would be good to get it out there to people like people that work in fertility or, you know, like mental health yeah. professionals. That <laughs> it work could in that definitely area. be people right? that it would be good if they knew, if they knew about yeah. this stuff. Absolutely. No Absolutely. Send it to ancestry.com. Yeah. <laughs> For example, life, life changing events. Right. When you found out, was it because you did a DNA test? Yeah, I did a DNA test ooh, a long time ago, 2016. I was doing like, uh, I was putting together like uh, like heritage stuff for my grandmother, my mom's adoptive mother. She kept big family trees. The whole, um, you know, when the Mormon church published all of their, like all of their heritage stuff, you know, they have tons, tons of information, like Yep. So I was kind of like trying to tie different things together for her. She was one of 13 children. Her parents had 
um, settled in Montana and they had like a post office, a very early, um, you know, very early people, obviously not the earliest since they're not native, but um, (laughs) settlers in Montana. But um, that's cool. Yeah. So I was trying to get the, I was trying to get to help get her family trees together. And um, I was also trying to help. I thought at some point I would help find my mom's bio dad. My sister actually bought me the DNA test. I don't think I would have done it on my own. Actually, I'm sure I would not have done it on my own. Um, But that was 2016. I didn't find out until 2020. So I didn't pay very close attention to it, obviously. Some woman emailed me and was like, hey, or, you know, contacted me on Mm -hmm. Ancestry, Mm -hmm. however that works. And she's like, oh, hey, it looks like we're second cousins. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, you must be related to my mom's bio dad because we already knew who her mother was. And uh, I dropped all these names out there. And she's like, oh, none of them sound familiar. And I was like, well, you know. I was just thinking about how people (laughs) contact me that way still. And because I don't know anything about my bio dad's family. um, uh, I I mean, I know who he is, but I don't know. So I just, it's just always a list of names that I don't recognize. And then I send back my list of names and they go like, huh, like none of that, Matt, none of this lines up. And then I'm just like, I don't know. (laughs) So there could be secrets. There could be tons of secrets coming out in these messages between me and these people. Oh. And I don't even, yeah, I, I can't, I don't even have, I don't even have the understanding to see them. Well, I know. How could you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yours didn't come, yours didn't come about by a DNA test, right? No, okay. it didn't. It, it came, the... it came with a phone call first um, or, you know, a Facebook message that led to a phone call. Um, and then we did a DNA test. Uh, and then I did testing on 23andMe and Ancestry. That's like kind of more shocking because it's like out of the blue. And then like you didn't do anything to <laughs> initiate it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's argu- like- yeah. It's arguable that it was. Like, yeah, for sure. Like I it's uh, it's still I still think about it as a just like a day that I can't quite like describe or articulate like what that was like. But mm-hmm. to describe like. Or to, to say it was like to it out of the blue is um is a like an understatement <laughs> if that's even possible, you know. Well, you know what occurs to me like right in this very minute is that I w- when I sent a letter to my bio dad to tell him, you know, hi, you're my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hi, here I am, you have a daughter. Um, I thought about like his family and I was like, oh possibly I'm like totally ruining their lives right now, you know, sending it out. But you have the perspective of being, that's so weird because you, you have the NPE experience, but you also are the person that received the information. That's really rare. Like that you're receiving it from somewhere else. Yeah. So you have that perspective of like, yeah. 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 I don't, I wonder what, I don't, you know, of course, like, I don't know how it could be for other, for people in the, in the father or mother, like position of that. You know, the sort of idea that he kind of busted in and yeah. turned my life upside down. Um, there is a lot of discussion uh, among my people about whether that was an mm-hmm. okay thing for him to do mm-hmm. um, or or a, ni- or a nice thing to do or the right thing to do. Or um, mm-hmm. people have varying opinions about that. 
for I'm sure. sure they do. And I don't even know if I have an opinion about it so much as it ha- because it happened. I like I, it's just too close to me. I'm just like I don't know. It happened. Well, obviously, you'd have that evolves. You would have an idea like if you asked me five minutes after I got the phone call or five minutes after I got my DNA results, I would tell you a totally different thing than I'm telling you now or that I would have even told you a month later. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but the first the first one, and like I said, you're in this weird, like I would, like you're in this where there's like symbolically so many other weird things going on when you like are the receiver of the information, I think. I think that's just its own that's like its own category (laughs) It's separate from whether you're what your role is in it. But I feel like for the NPE portion of it as the child, I don't know, like the recovery period is long. It's so long. That feeling of waking up every day and being like, Oh, it's like when somebody dies, I say that over and over again, but you wake up and you're like, Oh, that happened Mm -hmm. yesterday. Or, Oh, that happened last month. It's just so hard to, uh, integrate into your life mm-hmm. yeah especially as an adult I mean I don't know that's a great description I wouldn't have wanted to find out when I was a teenager I don't think right but, you know someone said hard, yeah I was there's a, there's often an argument of like of parents saying uh, when asked why they never told the child the, the adult child um there's often a sort of like well when would we have like there's no good time yeah. to talk about that no and someone else pointed out to me that that in itself is a reflection of of a person's capability to like handle uncomfortable conversations and that, that yeah. right like that really it's yeah no there wouldn't have been a good time maybe there wouldn't have been well, but we could have had the option to get through it <laughs> you know i would just say the good time is from the beginning. Right. You know, like, come right. on, people. Yep. It's not that hard. You have children. Like, I have children. I'm not telling them lies. You know what I mean? Like, I have a hard time with the, in my experience, my mom says that she didn't know. Mm-hmm. She still claims that she has mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. that she didn't know. Although she could tell me every detail of her inter- of her interaction with the man that night. Oh. So many details. Oh. Can I just tell you that's so unnecessary. Thanks, mom. And... She can remember, like, when I asked her about it, when she finally came clean about all of it, she sent me these photographs. And I've said this before, too, but they're like these little Polaroids or, you know, the little 110 cameras. Mm-hmm. They were all grainy and weird. She sent me, like, probably, like, 10 or 12 photographs that she took with her phone of these pictures that were of this dude that I find that is my bio dad, who I look just like. I'm built just like, like, everything about it. And I'm like, well, what? If you had no idea, like, why do you have these pictures of this guy? Like, Right. Have you asked her that? Is I mean, she able to, like, reconcile those two ideas? Yeah, but in as I'm getting further past it, I try to understand that there's something, like, bigger psychologically going on. Yeah. Like, if she's saying, oh, I didn't know, I think my, my take on it is that she, being adopted, she never found her who her father was until after he died. He died like two months, which is at the same time that I found this out. Um, she did find out who her mother was, and she always she, the woman she said was kind of cold to her. I didn't have that impression because I met her too, but that was her impression, and that's her mother. So, um, but I feel like because she always had this idea in her mind that she was looking for her father, that she had this idea that if she didn't have a father then or she didn't know who her father was it didn't matter that I didn't have a father 
or that she didn't know who my father was because that's just kind of like psychologically for her, that's just kind of how it worked. Yeah. That makes so mm -hmm. much sense. I don't know. That makes so much sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no way to know, but that's a, yeah, that's a, um, an interesting and, uh, reasonable sounding theory <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, and you know, well, I was just talking with somebody else and, she was, we were discussing the, this idea about mothers not knowing. And mm -hmm. she was talking about, she's our age and you and I are not that far apart in age. And she was talking with her mom and she's going through all the same things that you and I have gone through. And so many people where you're asking your mom and she insists she doesn't know, she didn't know. They insist they didn't know they're as mm -hmm. surprised as you, yeah. you know, but, but yes, here's 14 different like exhibits that, <laughs> that put, put that into question. <laughs> And as this person was talking to her mom, she realized that her mom doesn't know about reproductive science, like doesn't understand ovulation and conception mm. the way that we do now. Yeah. And sure. like, didn't know, you know, didn't quite understand it. And I, and I, there's something, I really felt like compassion for this woman in that moment of like, you have basic, she had basic understanding, like yeah. the most basic. Um, and there would have been no reason for her to be like keeping up on it <laughs> as time got went on, you know, in her age and her generation, like she'd had her children, she was done. She wasn't like, she wasn't even, you know, she wasn't tracking her period on an app. So, you know, it's like, she didn't have ovulation strips and very good sex ed, like how, you know, so I, and I just, it, and of course there are other things that, that bring it into question, but it just made me. Add, added a layer of understanding or yeah. or questions that's, for, for mean, women. That's in very intuitive, actually, because my mom, like, obviously, she now she knows a lot about all of that. She's an intelligent woman. But she was very young when she got pregnant. I mean, as are many of the right. women that are, in, right. you know, that we talk about in this situation. And, you know, it was the 70s. Mm -hmm. 70s were pretty wild, mm -hmm. as we all Oh, there are so many of us that were born in the 70s and like early 80s. It's insane. Ooh. But um, yeah, I mean, people were doing things. I mean, I believe at some point when I was growing up, my mom told me that when she got pregnant with me, she was on the pill. That is only occurring to me in this very second as I'm speaking with you, which would lead her to believe that she got pregnant, you know, with my birth certificate dad after, you know, she moved away with him. Hmm. Why she married him, like in my bio that you don't know about he she married my my birth certificate dad after she knew him for like maybe a month and then moved out of state so in my mind again i i always try to i oh first i always go to the fact that something meant like psychologically was probably going sure. on and that persists for your life i mean mm -hmm. if you never are able to get past that right yeah. never get past it or work through it and lock it in in a place where you're never thinking about it for 30 years yeah. or more. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I have no idea what's going on. What was your relationship like with your mom? Like, are you, do you have a good relationship with your mom? We have a good, we have a, we have a good relationship now and it, it could always be better. Um, and it was so part of like part of my, the part of my story that I tell is that, 
I had just written a book proposal that took me so long, way longer than a book proposal was supposed to take, um, about a memoir of a memoir that um, about me moving to Los Angeles with my three-year-old daughter as a single mom, and like. Mm-hmm. The memoir was about that, but it was about me trying to figure out what was up with my relationship with my mom mm-hmm. and, um, and my, and you know, you know, memoirs like, and my childhood and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, we had, we had a lot of like kind of wild things happen and, um, something was missing in the story <laughs> and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And I, and I, but I worked on this, this proposal really hard and, and submitted it everywhere. And I got lots of conversation about it with people who ultimately said no, but everybody was like, it's missing something. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. there's like something not quite, and I knew it. Um, and it was so odd within that time in my life to then have this man call and be like, by the way. And I was like, and everyone that's close to me was like, Oh, that's, that's what's missing. And yeah. so even if like, and I, and I think people mean that explicit, like, like literally I need to write about that, but they also mean that like in our life, this inexplicable presence that I couldn't put my finger on and I couldn't identify yeah. that was between us that I, and I couldn't write about cause I didn't know what it was, I think was also him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have not, written about it yet. <laughs> I mean, I haven't written about, I haven't gone back to the memoir and, and tried to figure out what to do, but so I still think that about my mother. There's still, she, it, it sort of like unveiled her to me as somebody with this whole other, as a whole other person than who she had been presenting to me for 38 years, um, which both humanized her and made her more of a mystery. Yeah, 100%. Sure. So are you in touch, are you in touch with your bio dad? Um, yeah, when, when you asked the beginning, if it, like nothing probably has happened since, <laughs> since I talked to Alexis, I talked to her a while ago, you know, she, and she just, um, published that episode. And this last week I took my youngest son, who's eight to Montana for the first time. And he met my bio dad and his family. Whoa, that's um, a huge update. So- that was a big deal. That was a pretty big deal. And I had had, I had been to see them twice and I'd had really good experiences with them. And I mean, it's complicated, right? Because I didn't know them growing up, but my mom was good friends with his now wife who he married when I was 10. And, uh, like I said, our grandfathers were, um, my grandfather and our grandfathers. I mean, it's not like it's your, I'm our grandfathers, <laughs> my grandfather, or I have a split personality right now, which is kind of true. Oh, our. Well, it's where I split, right? And that's like my mm-hmm. grandfather prior to prior to the NPE surprise and my other grandfather, who's my bio grandfather. Um, they were good friends. Um, so it went really well the first time. And I met my great, uh, I met my grandmother, um, who... I am identical to. It's super oh, weird. Mm-hmm. Like when you see your own mm-hmm. face and you're like, oh, there's there's me. And when I'm 95, super bizarre. And we have a similar disposition. So that's also hmm. like uncanny. Um, and I said before, I had like growing up this um, 
really weird. I mean, everybody has that weird sense of feeling like an outsider, but I was really, I had this really weird dysmorphia problem about my appearance. And it persisted like all the way until now, until I like actually met that family, which is so strange. That's a really strange experience. Um, but I had a really good experience with them the first couple of times. But then when I took my son, you know how you have to balance things? How old is your son? Like the same age as mine, He's right? six. He's like, almost seven. He's just um, about to be seven. Yeah. They need all of your attention. I mean, 100% of your attention. Mm-hmm. So, but then I felt like my bio family expected 100% of my attention. And I was like, okay, this is really difficult. And at some point, it was my bio. Yeah, it was really hard. Like they were, yeah, they really identified with him and they're like, this is our grandbaby and all these things. And he looks so much like a member of the family, but he couldn't handle, I mean, it's a lot for a little kid to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like here are some new grandparents and here is a new great grandmother and you know, old people's houses are weird and you know, like, totally. but I felt like my dad, the last night we were there, it was his birthday or the night before. And he kind of turned to me at some point and he was like, well, this trip didn't go exactly like I'd planned. And I was like, I love you and you're like a super nice guy, but that is a super heavy thing to put on me right now. Yeah. Like the fact that I like spend my money, I take time off work, I come here, I spend time with your family. My mom, who's adopted, her one of her brothers died like two days before I got there. So I couldn't very well just like be like, I'm not going to spend any time with my mom. Right. Um, <laughs> so I just feel like there's always – there's always a tension of because you don't know these people right right? so you don't know what their expectations are and i mean i am very lucky because i have a relationship with them and they're very open people but you know it's just complicated it's totally complicated it doesn't mean it's not without its differences of of opinion and experience and and minds yeah um yeah. Yeah. I forget how much um, time and energy it is to like balance life with children until I travel without them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I could see it being a big difference if they had met you without children. And then to meet you with, yes, with a son, is a big like, whoa. They're like, come after this. Come do yeah. this. We're going to go to the lake. We're going to do that. And I was like, I can't. Like, he can't do all that stuff in one day. Right. You know. Yeah. So how many episodes of your podcast have you done? How many are out there? Are there any out there? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. How many are up there? 11, I think. And they've been with people like adoptees. Mm -hmm. I think I interviewed a couple of adoptees. I interviewed somebody from the Donor Conceived Council, which I think Mm -hmm. you did this last Mm -hmm. week too. Um, A different person from the Donor Conceived Council, which you might have actually, when I was on Instagram for like five minutes, I'm not on there anymore, you might have recommended that I contact the council itself. She was really great. and she was young and like had, you know, she was like super intuitive, smart girl. Um, and I've had a couple of donor conceived people and then, you know, friends that you know, that I know that were, you know, adopted and, you know, or you find out we're NPEs. Mm-hmm. Also. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and how did you come up with the, how did you come up with the name Unfinished Truths? What do you mean by that? Oh, well, <laughs> That's based on a David Foster Wallace quote. Oh. And it's the quote is that the truth will set you free, but not until it's finished with you. 
That's awesome. I know that's a little bleak given like his sure <laughs> his trajectory, sure. but you know, he was a he was a force sure. for sure. He was from this area too, right? Or at least he was living here when he died. Yeah. Was he here? Maybe he was in Santa Cruz. Maybe in it was Santa Cruz. Yeah, he seems like a Santa Cruz a Santa yeah. Cruz guy. I could see yeah, him. Yeah, he does. I could see him over there. It's so cool. If people want to be on your podcast, can they contact you? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's really easy. They can email me at the – it's unfinishedtruths at gmail.com. But also they can email my name. My name is Jennifer Carraher at gmail.com. I mean, you can also just, like, Google it. I think it comes up I'll pretty put it all out there. That's so great. What are you hoping to do? You want to write – I. Never mind. I'm not going to ask that question. That's on my list of questions, but I feel like that that will feel redundant. Like, what are you hoping to do with your podcast? But like, we already went over that. Well, but what, like collecting the stories and everything, what it's been, I've been inspired lately, mostly because I've had a little more time because I switched jobs, but um, I did used to write like you. I used to write, like do more uh, prose and poetry. And I actually wrote a piece this week and I was like, yeah, you know, like, should I submit it? Should I not submit it? Should I do all this? And then I read some quote and I was going to say, if you incorporate your current story into your memoir, that would be so awesome. And as somebody that was also a single mom, I too at that time was like, this needs to be written down. Other single moms need to hear about it. Other people need to hear about it. Like this is another like an NPE experience. This is another like super trying experience. Like it is hard, but I was going to say, if you, um, incorporate those stories or, you know, publish your memoir and we know people would buy it. I know people would read it, (laughs) but I read something by Sylvia Plath when I was like being hesitant about submitting this like short story that I wrote. And she said that she loved rejection letters because she kept them all because it reminded her that she tried. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I know. I keep talking about people who killed (laughs) themselves, by the way. I don't, it's not on (laughs) purpose. You're like, Anne, can you think of one more? <laughs> right over <there. laughs> Stuck their head in the oven. That's really That's funny. So we just did a whole podcast where we peppered in every inspirational person. Someone who has their own life. <laughs> just to see if like anybody noticed. Right? I feel like little Easter eggs. You could actually do it at the beginning of the episode. You're going to be like, there's a theme. <laughs> and anybody that can get the theme before X minute. Then you went totally. Or we'll send you a t-shirt. <laughs> Absolutely, it's so great. Well, I'm so excited to finally connect with another with you. But I'm I'm too. This is what I'm trying to say. I'm really excited <laughs> to finally connect with you because we've been kind of trying back and forth um, for yeah. a little while. Um, and then also just so exciting to always connect with the podcaster. So great. Um. Yeah, I'm super happy when there are new podcasts out there and get to listen to them. And they like they differ so much, like production quality. I'm always kind of ashamed of my production quality, but I'm like, meh. I'm kind of collecting it for the stories. No shame. I am no not, shame. There can't. <laughs> I am not Ira Glass. Okay, so don't expect me to be. Nope. No shame. Absolutely. <laughs> um, was there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? No, no, I don't think so. Uh. When, when are you coming back to the area? I will definitely be up there. Um, I'm going to be up there. My dad turned 70 the last weekend of August. So I will be up there. Oh, sweet. Or the second to last, like the weekend of the 26th. Um, 
that's awesome. If you're up here, if you have any spare time, I know it's hard when you visit family, but if you want, sit. Draw yeah, well, what, I'm do, what I'm trying to do, I haven't actually talked to my husband about this yet. Um, but what I would, I think what I would really like to do is go up there a whole week early with my youngest and just oh, work idea. from home and just give me a week to kind of chill and do that kind of thing. Like go see my people mm -hmm. and meet up with friends and do the kind of ped lazy Petaluma thing. Um, but I haven't, I haven't secured that plan yet. <laughs> with, yeah. I, guess I do need to touch base with the other parent in this house. <laughs> because that leaves him with another child yeah. to take care of. Yeah, I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, just rest. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, this is so cool. I'm going to – I didn't even think to – you know, like now that we've done the whole episode, I didn't even think <laughs> to do it where I could tell you, you like, then I could do your podcast. You know what I mean? Like we could do one recording where then like I just give you my story and then you have a whole episode too. So, oh, that's a good so, idea. Well, if you have time at any time, then just tell me. I suddenly felt really selfish that I got all your time and <laughs> no, didn't return that's the super favor. super nice of you. I appreciate that. No, it's awesome. I would love that. Yeah. And then as I, when I finish all this up, um, yeah, it'll probably be like in the next six weeks or so. I'm trying to get them all, trying to get them all together and out, but I'll let you know, of course, I'll be in touch. It will be, it will not probably be before I am up there. So I may see you first anyway. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'd love to get together. That would be so fun. I love Sebastopol. Uh, Sebastopol's pretty yeah. awesome. Easttown, USA. I met a guy once. It was from Sebastopol. And I, and I mean, this sounds really silly, but I met a guy one time. I said to a guy, like one guy was like, I'm from Sebastopol. I'm from California. It was really a small town. I was like, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, and I was like, what time? He was like, oh, it's called Sebastopol. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, compost happens. And he <laughs> loved that. <laughs> he was like, what? Is that still a slogan up there? Well, there's all kinds. Of, that's that's when we all live downstream. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know. Um, okay, great. But I'll be in touch. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to LA, going to LA on Sunday. <laughs> but I'm living here. But I'm enjoy, living here. Uh, enjoy being full side of Anaheim. Thank you. Enjoy. I don't know. Enjoy whatever you're up to this weekend. Hopefully you have a little you time. Hopefully. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> Let's, I don't think that's happening, but I appreciate your optimism. No, you're nice. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon, Jennifer. All right. Okay. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Listening back to this conversation, uh, I'm reminded of how nice it is to just sit with fellow members of the MPE community. Um, sometimes I think a lot of people here know what I mean, but it just feels like we've known each other for a long time, maybe forever. But I promise Jennifer and I had only just met when we had that conversation. My summer is going all right. Thank you for asking. Um, there is one thing worth talking about here on the podcast, though, and that is how I know when I need a break or when I'm doing too much or either or both. And that is when I start making mistakes. I am proud to say that it's taken a few years, but all of a sudden I am making big and stupid mistakes making this podcast. I'm interviewing people and I'm forgetting to hit the record button, for example. That's just one mistake. There are others. Uh, regardless, I'm just dying from embarrassment these days and also frustration. So 
I'm here to tell you that I am wrapping up season four in the next few weeks. Jennifer's episode today is the beginning of the end. After today, there will be three more episodes, and the last one of the season will post September 2nd. I still have interviews scheduled all the way through September. I will still be doing those. They will help me launch season five in 2023. But as far as new material coming out after September 2nd, uh, you're just going to have to wait. (laughs) Um, I'm really proud of all that I've done, and I hope that I could, I'd hoped, I'd hoped that I could just power on through like making episodes into infinity, but it's becoming more and more clear to me that that is just not true. Yes, even I need to rest. So I'm telling you now to prepare for my absence. You'll be fine. Uh, I promise that I'm not going away. Please uh, keep an eye on the social media accounts because I'm going to be announcing a few fun things over the fall. Uh, I'd love for you to join me at Everything's Relative Podcast is where you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook you want to send an email, that address is eve at everythingsrelativepodcast.com. And if you're wondering how you can support this project and the voices of MPE stories getting out into the world, head over to my website, everythingsrelativepodcast.com. Check out all the stuff. There's a Patreon account. There are fun t-shirts, stickers, lapel pins, other ways to donate. And at the end of the day, you know what a really great way to support us is? Is to write a review. Write a review of the podcast on your listening platform. Give me a star rating or just share the show with a friend. If you're really eager, tattoo the logo somewhere on your body. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That would be really weird. Please don't do that. Whether you're weird or not. I hope you can join me next week for another episode. Thanks so much for being here. Keep doing what you do best. Eat all the ice cream while the weather is still hot. Jump off the diving board. And please remember, don't pee in the pool. I'm Eve Sturgis, and this is Everything's Relative. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions.